Welcome to Optical Obsessed Live, episode number two. The topics for today are dealing with refunds and unhappy patients, when you forget lens add-ons, how do you handle this situation, not overselling to a patient, sticker chuck, how to address that big number, and just a reminder, this is a live optical talk show that takes place every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. This is non-CE related. This is just straight education, business, and technical advice. Go to the link in the show notes, join, and attend. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the second episode of Optical Obsessed Live. It is April 13th, 2022. And uh, thanks for some returning faces here. Uh, hey, Michael, it must be uh, Michael Edelstein. How are you doing? I got Drew in the house. I saw Karen, uh, Russell, Mary. Thank you all for joining us. What's up, Eric? Um, so got a loaded agenda tonight. And I think I got all my technical issues figured out. I got this sweet new background that I jerry-rigged uh, this evening here. And just really trying to up my game, make this a, a fun experience for, for everyone. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting in the mood. Um, I don't know if there's any Coke Zero fans out there, but this new Space Dust one, I'll hold it up here, is freaking amazing. It almost tastes like uh, kettle corn is how I describe it. Um, it really does feel like Chief's Red. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so if you're first time joining here, thank you so much. Tastes like Skittles, kind of, yeah. Uh, thank you so much for joining me here. Uh, my name is Perry Brill. I am the CEO of Entrepreneur Media. Uh, the core of what I provide really the past three years is, is education that's kind of not in the norm. I love optical. I love optometry. And I kind of think against the grain. And so as I go through this here today, I want this to be collaborative. I want everybody to participate in the chat. And um, the things I'm going to say on this talk show here today are not necessarily right. Nothing is wrong. And we all have different opinions how we like to do things. So I just want you to consider that as you're listening to me and I'm going through uh, all my knowledge here. I have a way of doing things. You have a way and there's no right or wrong. Um, so... Karen's right. This is how we learn and share and we decide what works best in, in our offices. Every demographic, every location is completely, completely different. And um, to make this more engaging, um, I would love if any of you want to come on video with me here and uh, after I present some materials and we'll just kind of have like a friendly debate and say, hey, you know, maybe you have a completely different way of doing something. And I would love for you to just come on uh, if you're on video. Kudos to you because we all need to see each other's faces and we can kind of just give a different perspective, which I think is good. Uh, come challenge me. Uh, it'll be real fun. Be nice. So uh, to begin here, I'm going to pull up uh, our first uh, little video here. And this one really has to go with, uh, you know, when we order glasses, when the optician orders glasses, there is so many lens options on there. You got AR, you got transitions, you got uh, polarization, blue light, high index, uh, you know, you have tents, you have grooves. And sometimes like we honestly just forget to order things and we feel so bad. And by the time we waited for the job uh, 10 days from the insurance lab, it returns and all of a sudden it does not have the options we want. So let's start with the first video here. 
just picked up these glasses a minute ago and when I go outside, the lenses aren't turning dark like they're supposed to. Everybody, who, who has forgot lens options when placing orders? This could be doctors, this could be opticians. Like, have you forgot lens options and how bad do you feel about it? Uh, feel free to come. If anybody wants to come on here recently, Karina, what, what did you forget recently? Like what lens op option was it? And usually what's funny is it's our most expensive, best patient slash customer ever. And we're like, oh man, why couldn't this happen to the cheap scumbag that wanted, you know, poly, no hard code, that type of thing. Oh, Prism. Yeah, Prism's like this thing that's in the very corner of the screen and we just completely forget it all the time. Here's how, what I like to do when I forget things. We, we entered this dilemma where it's even worse when the, I wanna think about it in this scenario. The patient didn't pay for the option, but you guys discussed it at the original sale. And so 10 days goes by, like I said, you sent it to the insurance lab. And now uh, what happens, right? The patient goes out to the outside, they bought a photochromic, they bought transitions, and they're like, it's not working. So 10 minutes later, they come back inside and we all put it in our little uh, transitions you know, device, put the UV light on it, and it should change colors, gray, brown, green. So what do we do in the situation where you discussed it, they didn't pay for it, you didn't charge them, so whose fault is it? And what I want you to ask yourself, and I want you to um, let me know, do you charge them for it or do you give them the photochromic for free because you honestly forgot it was your fault? What's your decision, guys? Give you just a second. To... Okay, Karina says apologize and, and charge them for the add-on. But what happens, you know, I've had it, they blow up. They're like, oh my gosh, it's $140 for the photochromic? Like, that's crazy. You know, I, I think the, the good thing is the patient can wear their glasses. So, hey, you know, I apologize like you. They can wear them while they, uh, you're remaking them and then you can just snap them in. So it's much easier for acetate. Now for metal frames, we all know when you order lenses only, sometimes the metal just doesn't line up. Uh, it could be a 0.1 millimeters uh, too small. Okay, so I, I take it by a case by case scenario. Depending on the person, I will charge them. And sometimes I don't charge them um, because I just sometimes like, man, they just bought $750 in glasses. They've been coming here for 15 years. And so I think it's good to have discretion on who we charge. Uh, yeah, like Russell said, case by case, discount, free, give it at wholesale. Like it's not worth burning that bridge. Tommy says we take ownership uh, of the mistakes and make it correct. Okay, so I'm with Tommy. And I know it hurts so bad, but it teaches you. It teaches you, check your work, check your work, check your work. Um, think about it next time this happens. Think about not charging. And I know it hurts, but when you have to give shit away for free, it makes you think about, man, I really need to double check my orders. I see a lot of practices actually having, let's say you have three, four opticians in your practice. I see a lot of practices currently um, having someone else do order entry because our eyes become glazed over. So do the original sale and hand it off to an order taker who can take care of all the orders and they're laser focused on uh, checking all the options. Because a lot of times when we order glasses, we just go from memory. Like I, we all have really good memories when it comes to optical. Okay, so we are gonna move on to uh, a little deeper topic here. So uh, up comes the next one. 
I've had these glasses for about three weeks and I just don't like them. I, I don't like the way they look on me. I don't know what I was thinking when I picked them out or why they let me walk out of here with these, but my hair wasn't done and I just don't want them. I want a different pair. Okay, the big the big E word, and I'm not talking about Essilor here, Essilor Luxotica. I'm talking about exchanges. And uh, why don't we go ahead and throw refunds in there as well. <laughs> as uh, an, an office manager or a head optician, and <laughs> Bob, I think that's inappropriate, but uh, I'll let you say that one because um, exchanges suck and refunds suck, but I also don't like dealing with crummy people. I'm if if you want a refund out the door you go like I don't have time for it. it it's a morale killer in your office and a lot of times we put uh staff members let's say you have opticians under you you put them in awkward situations when you tell that person no you can't have a refund and so um how many how many have policies and how many people have people sign off that there's no refunds I'm, I'm curious here um I'm, a, I'm I say no like I don't like policies like that I'm not Macy's, I'm not The Gap, I'm not Home Depot. And we're, we are seeing a lot of retailers today, Amazon. Actually, Home Depot, I bought like an electrical kit. A year later, I returned it. And I had it open, the parts were a total mess. So we're seeing a lot of retailers uh, allow returns. Craig's all sales final. But Craig, I know you're doing a lot of custom stuff. Uh, so I, you know, Lindbergh's and Maybox and stuff. Okay, Karina, they've ordered a custom product. Rashima, you charge a restyle fee. Okay. What is a re yeah, what's a reasonable restyle fee? Um for me, I would charge the difference of the frame. Just say, hey, the frame was 300, now it's 400. So we're just gonna charge you the difference. No refunds. Man, you guys are a bunch of hardliners. What if someone is just adamant, they're blowing you up, and they're gonna do a chargeback on the credit card? Now what do you do? They absolutely do not want the glasses. You completely blew it. You've done two remakes. Now, what are you going to do? When we get in this situation, bye, Felicia. I love that answer. Wow, Craig's going to court in two weeks for $6,000. I would I'd be very curious to, to what happened there. So um, I know a lot of people have you sign something. I personally don't like that, like I said. But consider it that nothing is worse than a, uh, a two-star, one-star Google review. So I know it's pride. We all want to win these refund disputes, but sometimes... Just eat the $800. Yeah, you have a lab bill. That was probably a couple hundred. Hopefully you can put clean the frame back up, put it on the frame board or uh, return it to the manufacturer. I hate throwing returns on manufacturers, but you know sometimes it's, it's what you have to do. All right, let's move on to the next topic. $700 for a pair of glasses? That's insane. Well, Miss Jones, I, I want to tell you I agree. You know, $700 is a lot of money for something that seems so small. I'll say. However, these are handmade. They were made in Japan. And, you know, the Japanese are meticulous with quality. And these are going to last you many years. Um, you're a writer, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. What kind, of, what kind of books are you writing today? I like to write murder mysteries. Ooh, wow. Okay. I love murder podcasts. <laughs> but I'm not a murderer myself. Anyways, yeah, these are really good quality, and I know you're not seeing well, 
These are comfortable. They're made out of premium materials. And I know many times you see like ads on television and online, two pairs for 99. But when you feel the glasses, they're made from really poor quality plastics. They'll become brittle. They're gonna lose their polish in six months. The screws come out and- So do you mean that this Japanese frame is better than the ones my daughter just ordered from online? 100%, yeah. The online ones are just made in, in mass quantities. These are all handmade, and you're gonna feel good in them, you're gonna look good in them, and I know it sounds sometimes crazy spending that much on a pair of glasses, but when you think about it, how many things can you buy in life that are custom for you? A wedding dress? Did you get a wedding dress when you married Tom? Mm -hmm. Okay, are you still married to Tom? Not for long with the way you sell glasses. <laughs> I am actually engaged in, uh, to Molly, so I love Molly. Well, there's not many products in life that you can get custom. You can have a wedding dress, a suit for a male. You can have a custom kitchen built for you. You can build a house. And all these things are very expensive. How much did you spend on your wedding dress? $5,000. $5,000, wow, you wore it once? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. This is a jewelry really for your face, and this is a product that you wear every single day. And you're probably gonna have these glasses for a couple years, so when you really think about it, let's look at the cost of the glasses over a full year. So there's $700. So these are gonna cost you $2 a day for great quality vision, great style, and you're gonna get a lot of compliments. Can you afford $2 a day? Well, yeah, when you put it that way. Okay, how much do you spend on coffee every morning? I go to Starbucks, so. Okay, yeah. <laughs> You're definitely a pumpkin spice latte woman, I can tell. Guilty as charged. Yeah, so for $2 a day, you get a great pair of glasses, and you just have to think about health differently. You know, don't think about it just as a piece of plastic or metal. This is really your health. All right, how funny was that? Uh, the, the, murder, the murder drama funniness uh, that came out of that. Uh, before I move on and really we get into this topic, I want to bring up Russell. He brought up something. We tell folks to take their time on frame selection. I want them happy. So as a guide, no refunds, but case by case. This uh, is the comment that really strikes me. You have to take your time during frame selection because, you know, to sell one pair of glasses, we're looking at anywhere generally between 20 minutes to, to 40 minutes likely. It just takes that time because we should be able to read the physical cues of nervousness, uh, us forcing into a product. Uh, we're gonna talk about uh, coming up here, um, how to manage expectations. Because if you don't do that, you're selling somebody a product that they don't want only for them to come back in and get a refund. Like we've all been there when someone forces us into a product and we're just not sure. So kudos to, to you, Russell, on, on that one here. Okay, so in terms of sticker shock, uh, do you guys experience this today? And, and, and is that sticker shock verbal? Are the, or is the patient just sitting there awkwardly, not saying anything? Um, do opticians in your office think the prices are too high because they can't afford to buy things themselves? What, what's going through your head and your opticals when it comes to sticker shock currently? You know, the reason I think sticker shock exists today because, is because these vision plans, they are hyped up to be this really great discount. Then at the end of the day, these offices are providing the benefits. The patient sees that, oh my God, how could it still be $550 for a Verilux X with Crizal Sapphire high index? And it's like, 
well, it's because your vision plan is crummy and that's your employer's fault. That's not your local optometry practices fault. Uh, so I think that's where um, a lot of sticker shock comes in today. So uh, we have a really good comment from Drew here. Um, and if anybody, like I said, uh, anybody who's coming in here, if you want to come on live, all you need to do is uh, I have a moderator in the chat here and just say, I want to come on live. Or if you have a question, you can just say, I have a question, put your question here and uh, the moderator here will get you to come on screen here. So if you want to come talk about how you uh, prevent sticker shock in your offices, I'd love to have a one-on-one -on -one chat here and have a nice debate. So just say, if you want to come on live, just come on live and you'll get a notification um, on your window to just turn your video on and, and come in. So back to Drew here, he says, educating based on fit, making them feel good, uh, getting products that you select for your patient base. Don't just bring in SLX. So the way I like to deal with sticker shock is when you look at frames on your frame board, I don't like to put prices on them because it allows people to shop by price. And so what I did in my father's practice is we put this encrypted code on our glasses and I'm going to put it in the chat. This is, um, so let's say a product was $350. Let's call it a pro design. We would have D three, five, O. So D means three, uh, the number three, 350. And then we put the, the month and the date. So April, 2022. So this code that I just put in the chat here would be $350. And I knew that this frame was placed on my frame board on April, 2022. So at any glance, I could go visually look at all my frame boards and know, okay, this has been here since April and maybe a year goes by. I'm like, okay, this frame, it's time to go, or I really need to focus on getting rid of this one. So if I were to sell a $200 frame, it would be B200 April, 2022. So if that's a tip and what I do is get these little Dymo labels and a, a P-Touch label printer and we print them out. We cut them, put them on the demo lens. It's really slick. I don't like those tags that hang down that you buy just because it, it's annoying. So that's a little tip for you there. Now let's talk about sticker shock in terms of being able to see the price. It's not shady because if I put on this frame, here we go. I'm going to love it because uh, disregard the brand or anything is if you get it on someone's face, they're going to love it. But immediately, if they just see a tag hanging here and it says $850 or even $350, let's just say it's like a, a, a Tory Burch or something like that, you immediately eliminate a person and they're going to walk around your whole store and they're going to have sticker shock before they even sit down with you. And here they are. They're seeing these ads from um, Eyeglasses World and um, you know some other chains and Walmart. So immediately... They're, it's in their head that they should get two for one, but even though they don't know, they're going to get bait and switched. And you guys should really know that lens crafters and Pearl Visions are literally premium providers. They Their prices are skyrocket high. They are no cheaper than most of our offices. Um, okay, so Russell had a question about the alpha description. What was the first letter for? So... You know, I might just share my screen here and show you how I how I do it on my end. So give me one second as I pull up a document. And I'm happy to email this out afterwards, but we'll do a little workshop together. And I'd be curious if you guys want to come on, say, I want to come on, Perry. I want to chat with you. Put it and say, hey, Perry, put in the chat. I want to come on live and talk to Perry. We'll get you on video. 
and or audio. If you just want to do audio only, that's fine too. You can chat with me. So you guys, we're all going to have a lot more fun when we can talk on video or audio together. And I can have up to six people on the screen at a time. So uh, come on, guys. Let's have some fun here. Okay, so here's what I do for my prices. I'm going to make the font really big so we can all see it. So I make these little price tags. So A means to zero. B, C, D, E. We're not going to go higher than that for now. So B means $200 for a frame. C3, I'm not, you guys get the, the drift here. So when I'm walking around my optical, I don't have to look at the price. The patient doesn't have to see the price either. So B, I'll give an example. So it's B. Let's just make this a Ray-Ban just because we're all familiar with the brand. Ray-Bans are generally in the $200 retail range for ophthalmic. So B25, so that stands for 225. And then I'm going to put the month, which is April. And I'm going to put 22 for the year. So that is $250. And it was put on the floor on April 2022. When your rep comes in, or you're just doing a visual inventory of your frames to see what's doing well in your office or what's not doing well, just go look at that that month and the date of the year, and you can easily say, what the heck, this frame has been on the, the frame board nine months, it needs to be demoted, and that needs to go into a, either, hey, we're gonna spiff the opticians to sell these frames, like they're, they're just not selling for some reason, color, shape, whatever, or they need to go to returns and give them back to the frame manufacturer because if they're a dud in your office, they're probably a dud in a lot of the offices. So, um, and then let me just go here, Dymo Clear Label Tape. It's gonna get on Google with you. Um, let's see, this is what, I think this is it. Uh, let's just click one of these. Okay. Um, that's not it. I'll send an email out to everybody who's on this one. And it's like this little tape and the adhesive doesn't uh, gunk up the lens. It comes off really good with all off or what, or even just alcohol is good too. So hopefully that, that was a little helpful for you. Um, uh, let's go ahead and move on uh, to the new topic here. Let's see. Oh, hey, hi. Oh. I guess this is where I pick up my glasses, right? Yeah, yeah. How are you? I'm fine. I was just practicing my Tai Chi in the park. Whoa, what's Tai Chi? Oh, just a peaceful, like, meditation. Oh, cool. Awesome. Here to pick up your glasses, right? Okay, remind me of your name? Luigi Lana. Luigi? Well, that's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, I'll be right back here. Your glasses came out so well. So here they are, this beautiful red pair you oh picked my gosh, out. Gorgeous. We chose the right one. All right, here you are. I'll let you try them on Thank yourself. You. Cool. I want you to look that way. Can you see okay? See the leaves on the tree? Great. All right, and how do they fit? Are they staying on tight? Yeah, I mean, they feel great, they're fine. Okay, all right. All right, thank you so much. Yep, here's your case. All right, there you, you are. Take care. There's one major thing that went wrong with that dispense. The patient could see well, she said they fit fine, but you can never trust a patient's word when they say something fits fine. You still, as the optician, have to double check the adjustment. I did not look behind your ears. I did not see if the frame was level. 
And those are things you have to do because I can guarantee you that patient's gonna be back in one week and say her glasses are constantly falling off and it would have just taken you maybe 60 seconds to double check all those things and prevent her from returning, driving all the way across town. So even though a patient says something fits fine, always double check. Hey, hey. we got Karen. <laughs> How are you, Karen? Come on, you guys. Need to see some faces. Uh, Hello from Minnesota. That's a killer outfit. Oh my God. I would wear that if I were a woman. But you can wear anything today, right? So. Yes, you yes. could. <laughs> All right. Well, Karen, um, you are, gosh, optical runs in your lineage. Your dad is like a almost 100, and he's been, he was dispensing, wow, late into his 90s, wasn't he? Yes, he was. He's uh, 95, and uh, he dispensed till he was 93. Yep. He was in a car accident and um, ended up with a traumatic brain injury, and that's the only reason he stopped working. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah, okay, yeah. so um, you you were a dispenser for a long time, and uh, you worked for I think corporate mm -hmm. frame lines, and now a lot of independent frame lines. You're repping uh, the poets. Uh, yeah. What else today? Well, actually, yeah, 42 years. I started in private practice, 25 years in private practice, and then I worked for Essilor before it was everything it is now. A couple times, and I was really always on the lens side. And then I started a consulting and speaking and educating company. And actually, I'll just say it right here, since you know there's a few people on, I just accepted a position with NeuroLens. So I'm super excited. Oh my God, that's um, awesome. To get back with the patients. Yeah, yeah, I miss being with the okay. patients. So I'm jealous. Yeah, um, who has NeuroLens in the audience in your office? I think Bob, don't you have NeuroLens at your office? I, I swear you do. So Hey, hi, hey Eric. Eric. Uh, we're making friends here. See, this is fun when we get to take people off face, Facebook. Yeah, and so if anybody wants to come on, you're more than welcome to. We got five more seats here. So no, but you've considered it. So cool. Bob, we can talk. So, Oh, Candy, you do NeuroLens. Oh, Candy, awesome. Yeah. So let's talk about what we just watched. We watch a video and uh, I'll, I'll summarize it again. Patient comes in and the optician puts a pair of glasses on the patient. The patient says... These frames feel great. I don't need an adjustment. They don't say the words, I don't need an adjustment, but they say, oh, the frames feel great. And the optician takes that to heart and they let that patient walk out the door without even looking behind the ears. And I'm going to put uh, these glasses on. I, I need a 130 millimeter temple, and that doesn't exist in most glasses. My ears are a little more far forward. So can you guys see how long these are behind my ear? A little? Very low. No. Okay, so if an optician were not look behind my ear, they just things would not fit properly. So it's like so important that you walk around the dispensing table if you need to do that to go properly look behind the ear. So like what are your recommendations for uh, someone as a pro or a beginner just to make sure they have that proper adjustment from day one? Because what I hate is if you don't adjust things properly the moment someone walks out, they come back in next week and the next week and the next week and then they lose faith in your optical over time. So like Karen, how would you ensure like the best adjustment process? Okay, you guys, you need to come on because you know the face that's on is going to be oh. the one that's going to get asked the questions. That's why I did this. So a few more people okay. come on. Uh, Bob, so, okay. you know, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, uh, truly, uh, you know, it's it's funny. I remember watching my father and he would take a pair of glasses off. He'd, he'd have the person put them on because you never want him getting caught in, you know, a female's hair and then ripping out whatever's going on back here. So he'd 
you know, take them off and he'd adjust them and uh, make sure that the temples were, you know, he probably had the the best te technique. You could take a pair off and you knew they were Joe's. I mean, they were right along, you know, everything back there that was whatever's back there. Cause you know, everybody's built different. So take a look at the temple, make sure that it's, it's wrapped nicely. It's not going to be, you know, lying on the nerve back there, not hitting the back of the ear. And then uh, make sure that, you know, the patient looks at them because of course we see what's straight. Cause we look at the bottom. We don't look at the eyebrows cause we know nobody's perfect. Right? So that's always a fun conversation. Oh, you're, you're, everything's perfect, but those brows of yours or something, you know, but I remember him going to put the back on, put them back on. He'd look at it and make sure that they look good. And he would do this little flip and then he would hand them to them. And it was so cool. He just automatically did it, but checking to make sure that everything, nothing's touching, that they're wrapped, um, wrapped well. And of course, these days you cannot order frames with, you know, four or five different temple lengths. So you really have to make sure and train your people that when they're selling the eyewear, uh, that um, they're not, um, Perry, here's your friend. Oh my God, that is the cutest cat. <laughs> um, that they're not too long in the first place because many temples you can't cut. Yeah, sorry, but <laughs> Perry likes my cat here. <laughs> Animals are, are, are allowed on the show, so. Okay, good. So yeah, just, it's really a lot of it. I see the problem is during the, um, during the sale and you can't fix it after they're done if you haven't paid attention to that. So I always say pre-adjust everything when you um, when they purchase, because then you know that there's not going to be any, oh my gosh, the, the temple's, you know, too long. Or yeah, something. I love that. I, I've been there where I'll notice, um, let's say a metal temple's mm -hmm. too uh, long. I'll slide that acetate temple tip off. I'll cut mm -hmm. the, the, the end wire. I forgot the name of it. And 10 millimeters cut it 10 millimeters ahead of time because there's doing things on the spot under pressure. Like you're going to overheat the temple tip. It's not going to go back on. So it's really important that you write these proper notes and take care of things ahead of time. Um, and I think a lot of times, um, you know, you could pre-adjust the frame before you even put it on the patient during the original sale. Uh, now it's going to get a little mangled and stuff when you insert the lenses. So I think those are all good tips. Uh, Bob has a really good comment. So he likes to start with a proper four point adjustment. Uh, be the professional, put the frames on the patient. I love this comment because I'm also a fan when I'm doing an adjustment, I just like to take the patient and like, okay, I'm going to put the glasses on them. I like to see how it naturally slides on them without them kind of doing, you know, one of these. Um, so that's kind of my thing, uh, feel and look behind the ears is in the, I think it's called the ear crotch. I know that's such a weird word, but this is called like the <laughs> ear crotch. So it's got to fit that exact curve. And if there's a mastoid, you know, you can bend this. I don't have much of a mastoid bone, but you can really S-curve it around there. If you don't know what an S-curve is, um, hit me up, and we can kind of show you what an S-curve looks like behind the ear. All right. Well, um, thank you, Karen. Thank you for uh, being our yeah. first person on video. I love it. Love and, you like, know. you guys don't have to be video ready. Like, literally, you could be in your pajamas, like, Nobody's watching this except all of us goofy optical people here. So, <laughs> welcome, Bob. All right, Karen. Thanks so much. I'll I'll get you live on yeah. next time. Thanks. All right, let's move on to our our next topic. Karen is awesome. She has such a good spirit, and that's what we needed. Okay, let's move on to something fun. 
really important that you do not oversell your patients on things that they do not need just to rake the bill up to enhance your sales data. I'm gonna give you two examples here. Number one, a patient who's a minus one myo with a quarter of cylinder does not need a digital single vision lens. They don't need to see 4K. They just don't need it. The technology will not benefit them in any way. Number two, if you have a new presbyopter, a plus one ad, you could give them the most expensive lens in the book that you offer at your practice. However, that patient is not going to be able to read size two font. They just need a very basic progressive. They don't need the fanciest and they'll do just fine. So don't oversell your patients. Give them exactly what they need and nothing more. This is the case of people selling people shit, optical goods, just for the sake of racking up a bill, which is completely crooked. And the, the example I give, and anybody can fight me on it or we can debate it. I'm a minus six and I am wearing stock 1.67 SOMO lenses uh, with, you know, anti-reflective. And the most important thing is like, I have very little decentration here. So my distortion on the side is, is just minimal to none. So what, what I want to just reiterate on this example is I brought up, I'm, I'm wearing a minus one. The patient's not going to notice uh, a, a digital uh, Eisen or, or whatever you want to call it, whatever Shamir calls it, or Hoya, Hoya Sink or whatever they call it today. The, the visual differences of that is nominal. And so every patient, patient comes in with a dollar amount they're willing to spend. So let's say um, the, the cost for regular single vision is $99, but your cost for digital single vision is $199. That's an extra $100 that you're having the patient spend for like literally no reason, just to make more money. Now, what I would rather do, I would take that $100 that they would have spent on this stupid add-on that they're gonna get no visual benefit from, take that money and get them to buy a second pair. So allocate those funds to a second pair and so instead of making a hundred extra dollars, you could potentially make 300 extra dollars because you allocated those funds to another purchase. So I really want you to think about that. Uh, let me bring up an, another situation. Um, let's say it's a pair of backup glasses. And these, these are just glasses they're gonna wear in their bed and they're not even gonna wear them out. They've made it very clear that these are just like beater glasses. You don't need to give them like premium anti-reflective on it. Like, so just sell them something else. They can wear poly. And so you really need to be thinking about all these situations and using your patient's budget to the greatest extent. Because many times they're going to have already bought contacts or they want to buy contacts. But again, they have a finite amount of dollars. Um, so Candy wants to know, I'm going to mark your as a question. When do we offer digital or, or free form lenses? I think a lot of this is anecdotal experience. So the first thing I want to say is just because a rep says something does not mean it's true. So you have to take everything with a grain of salt. And um, and if there's any other people that have more knowledge about freeform lenses than I do, please come on. I'm not an expert in that stuff, nor do I enjoy the technicality a lot of the a lot of those things. When do you sell it? I generally start selling any. Let's talk about progressive lenses. I generally start selling freeform uh, tech 
while I always sell freeform technology for progressive lenses, because the price difference between a standard uh, progressive lens and a premium progressive lens today is like generally it's always the same price. And Craig, you know, we talk about this a lot, Craig, is uh, a freeform progressive lens can be 60 bucks. It can be 80 bucks. It could be 100 bucks. It doesn't have to be $300 for the base lens. So would I ever sell a standard progressive today? Probably not because the cost difference to buy a freeform is about the same. Now there's different levels of freeform technology. And I just want to say this is anecdotal. A minus, let's say I am a plus one ad. I'm a new Presbyo. Any new Presbyos coming in the group here? Um, I'm only 30. So I think I got another like 15 years, but I'm just going to pray that beauty, the drop gets better. So back to that. Um, if I'm a plus one ad power and you put me in the Shamir intelligence, I'm probably not going to notice much benefit to the fancy lens just because like, I don't have any experience with progressive lenses anyways. And in a plus one, your peripheral distortion is pretty minimal as the ad power gets higher. 175 to 250 that corridor becomes to look more like an hourglass and one day i hope to get van rue on here and he can actually go into the history of progressives and tell us about design so that's number one the corridor of progressive lenses becomes narrower trying to make the move narrower as the ad power increases so if you're a plus one i could literally put you on a younger image which is a very fine lens yeah van's the best he has the most things ever um, any younger image fans out there? Has anyone fit the younger image in the past five years? If you haven't, it is a fantastic lens. It's even a better sunglass lens. I put it in the chat, the younger image. Um, consider just putting your Presbyo, who's going to have sticker shock, in just a basic lens. They're going to do great in it. Uh, at that one ad, they're only going to they're going to spend 180 bucks for a progressive. Uh, maybe some more with AR. They're going to walk out happy. And the last thing you want people saying is I went to the optometrist and they charged me $500 for my new progressive lenses and 300 for the frame as their first pair of glasses. What kind of impression is that going to make on your office when they walk out of your office paying $800 for someone's first pair of glasses in life ever? Like, that's just not cool. So I'm going to answer Tommy's question. Uh, what are your expectations uh, of a good frame rep? Do you have those in writing? and review them on a regular basis with each vendor. What does a successful vendor relationship look like in your opinion? What should be the ex expectations of the practice to reciprocate this? Very well written, Tommy. Tommy, just curious, how many frames do you have in your new practice? Uh, I think that'll give us a good indication of how to lead this conversation. Okay, so I just put out an email called the Frame Rep Bible, and it's like 10 points of how to deal with frame reps and should you have a contract with them? And um, should you have a contract with a frame rep? Eh, I think so to some extent. Depends how experienced your buyer is. And the reason is the worst thing ever is when you have a, uh, a frame rep with ill intentions. And we know who they are. They hop around frame companies every six months. And they put product into your office. And whether the product sales or not, they don't really care. Uh, they start to befriend the opticians. They bring them cookies. And it has to be a two-way relationship. When these frames are selling, both parties are winning. Like it, it makes complete sense. Frame rep is making good money. The optical is making good money because the frames are selling. So um, I think doing frame board allocation is really good. Like, hey, you have 30 spots. Okay, 
We're doing really well with this frame line. We have demonstrated excellence. We're going to upgrade you to 40 spots now. So I think that's one way. Um, this is an unpopular opinion uh, from some people that I heard. They're really mad at me. I love to have frame reps merchandise my product when I come in. I had two people in the history of uh, working at my dad's practice who merchandise. My Oakley rep, uh, Sean, I believe, yeah, Sean, he would come in. He would take down all my Oakley frames because you know how the Oakley people are. They're trying a zillion frames on. He would organize them by all of the collections. And that was so helpful for me just because it's just like one less thing I have to do. And he was so much better at it than us, especially the sunglasses case. The sunglasses case gets destroyed. So merchandising, very important. My Lindbergh rep also merchandised the frames. We had the Spirit uh, Titaniums. We have the Air Rims. We had all these frames. And I actually, my Lindbergh rep was the only rep to ever clean the glasses. He would literally take his cleaning cloth. I don't have one here. And uh, he would clean every single frame and put it back on, and he, he spent some time to do it. And I thought I was really appreciative of that, and it stood out to me. Um, <laughs> Craig says, I need Bluetooth glasses to replace the, the pods. Yeah, I should. So hopefully that helps um, set expectations for vendors. And if vendors are breaking rules, like someone has to report that, you know, that abuse inside office. Uh, Michael calls it the dump and run. The dump and run is not cool. I would never, ever, ever buy from a rep who did a dump and run, I would go direct to the company to handle my orders at that point. Now, there's times where uh, you need to forgive the rep. There was a bad relationship. It wasn't their fault necessarily. Okay, so Karen says, if you say if you ask them to organize and clean, it saves you time and helps them move. Uh, white microfiber gloves are awesome. 100%. If you guys don't have any mic white microfiber gloves, go on Amazon. Buy them. It's an easy way to clean all your demo frames super quickly because you can kind of just go back and forth on them. Um, have you ever had a frame rep refuse to clean frames? You know, I wasn't smart enough to ask. Uh, I just didn't ask. I should have ponied up and done it. But I, next time you have a frame rep come in, ask them to clean your frames, and you're going to have two attitudes. One is, I'm too good for that. Or two, you know what? Heck, maybe I should try that. And I do understand they're on time crunches. And they may not have time for that, but it's just a simple thing to, to ask. Mary says, I don't, Mary, who do you, uh, what company do you work for? I love when accounts allow me to sort and merchandise the frames for them. Uh, all right, let's get into uh, the next topic. I think we need to have a whole section on uh, frame reps, relationships with doctors and opticians. I think that's a whole topic that we can dive into. Arbor, Eyes of Faith, and Edison. Oh, my God, guys, if you have not checked out Arbor, they're Japanese acetate frames are freaking bomb like amazing so yeah you're welcome tommy thanks for thanks for being here really appreciate it uh and you know i'm gonna share something great that tommy did tommy made these awesome dispensing trays tommy how did you make your dispensing trays uh i'm gonna go ahead and uh share that with the audience here uh, while I get this queued up. So I'm going to play one more video and then I'm going to show something really cool that Tommy has done to improve his dispensing experience. So let me pull this up on his LinkedIn. And uh, are you guys getting some value from this? I hope uh, some of this is helpful. Um, you know, these are a lot of things that, you know, I, we share on Facebook, but I think the actual way of hearing it and seeing how others are dealing with these similar scenarios is just super helpful for us in, in private practice. Tommy. Oh yeah, here it is. Check this out, guys. This is from Tommy. This is freaking brilliant. I've never seen this. So this is Tommy's practice. It's called Haywood Family Eye. He just opened a new location. 
and he has these beautiful wooden dispensing trays and i don't know how you did it but you like burnished your logo in there and what type of what is that tommy do you want to kind of give us some clarity to that our operations manager did it well i like that even better it's delegation and delegation is so important in optometry yeah that's freaking sexy i know so tommy uh what's who's your op who's your manager like are we able to reach out to them and just hit them up i think we'd all love to know how you did that so um we'll make sure to get people connected on that sounds good all right let's move on to some of our last topics for the night here i think i have a few more vid videos here Hi, Dr. Brill here. Patients usually bring in their old glasses and I ask them, hey, bring in your old glasses, bring in your sunglasses. Because we want to know what are they wearing. So I've got a patient that brought in a bag of 14 pairs of Zenni. So let's show you this, especially for the people, I'm going to dump them out in a minute. So especially for the people who think you can compete with other companies and their offerings. So here's a cheap frame, but it is kind of glossy. And check this out. It's got its own PD ruler here. And if you don't believe they're $6.95, they're $6.95. So you got, the, you got the case, you got the PD ruler, you got a nice little cleaning cloth, and you got the frame and lenses for $6.95. Can you beat that? So quit trying to match prices. And this is what, uh, boy, they don't even close in here, so. All right. so. Okay, so I'm going to show you what I think of this. There's 14 pairs of Zenny glasses, and they won't even equal, uh, you know, an inexpensive welfare frame. I shouldn't say that. A frame for public assistance. Yeah, so those frames, the frames are injection molded. I mean, it's a cheaper way of making them. It's not really like with... Matsukeli Zile, hand polished, tumbled in teak wood chips for weeks, uh, hand sanded like your state frames or some other American made frames. There's general thought that whatever is cheaper, if I'm the cheapest possible frame vendor, if I got the cheapest optical, you know, I'm going to sell the most, which to me doesn't make a lot of sense because how are you going to beat $6.99? So, for example, we have Lindbergh's here. These are beautiful frames. They're some of the most expensive frames on the market. They're made in Denmark. Yeah, and the good thing is nothing will ever happen to this frame. It's got no screws on it. It's got nothing to ever go wrong with it. So I know we're shooting ourselves in the foot because nothing will ever go wrong with it, but they're beautiful, they're super lightweight, and they're expensive. Okay, so just like people go to expensive restaurants and they're packed, wherever you go, expensive restaurants are packed, you would think people would only go to the cheap restaurants. So let's get out of this, out of our optometric brains, that we gotta be the cheapest, we have to match everyone's price and be like, I gotta be 694 instead of 695 for frames. That is me in 30 years, Craig, and I'm gonna have a, a, a gut and I'm going to have a triple chin because that runs in the Brill jeans. <laughs> so here's what I have to say about Zinni. Um, I recently uh, met a guy. His name's Mark Weinstein. I know, terrible last name, right? And he lives in New York. He owns a, a website called $39glasses.com. And awesome guy. He's an optometrist that lives in New York. He started $39glasses.com. And... What he found out was Zenni became his biggest competitor. He started selling online glasses in 2003 for $39. Guess what Zenni did? 
they started selling for $29.19 and finally got down to the $6.95 price point. And that's how Zenny Optical won. They were the low price leader. And frankly, I don't, is, is Zenny a public company? I don't know. I don't even know if they make a freaking dime. The reason I have you watch this video with my dad is one, it's hilarious that this patient brought in these frames and the patient was tr generally trying to do a great thing. They were donating their frames to the Lions Club, okay? Donating Zenny frames to the Lion Club, Lions Club. And if you don't belong to the Lions Club, uh, you should. It's a box of, of things that you can donate and they give it to poor people, which is awesome. But you cannot donate a Zenny frame because the moment it, it, you can't hold the lens in it. It's not going to last for a freaking second in sub-Saharan Africa. So um, <laughs> I commend the patient for trying. Zenny is opening a lab in Ohio. Wow. Okay. So the point I'm trying to get is I hate when people try to match prices with me. It is it is um, power. The patient's trying to just run one over you, and it's totally not cool. I recommend never, ever, ever, ever match prices because – you're setting a precedence that you're always willing to negotiate. And as professionals, we should never negotiate. Now, it's okay to make deals and package price things uh, for, for, for patients that are loyal. But when someone says, I can get this online, you tell them bye-bye. Like, you don't want to deal with that person. And so that's uh, – we'll get to this topic in future shows as we'll talk about independent eyewear. And we have a lot of independent um, people here who, who love uh, independent eyewear. Tommy even put a group in the Entrepreneur Facebook group uh, this week. You know, what are some of your favorite brands? And um, Karen said it's privately owned. I'm going to uh, put this so everybody can see it. It's 200, $329 million in gross revenue. We just need to get these people back in our offices. And I have one more thing to share with you about Zenny. Uh, that video was actually on YouTube, and the comments are so freaking hilarious. It, it's not even funny. I'm going to uh, dictate it to you. This is from Joseph. Zinni all the way. I have an astigmatism of minus 525, and I can see great without getting ripped off for some brand name frames. Guys, Zinni's rock. My entire family and myself have been using them and never have been let down. They even polish the edge of the lenses and do the thinning. They polish the edge of the lenses. That means they polish the Coke balls on the side. How kind is that? All right, I'll read a few more comments. Um, Dan, someone from River City Courier said, damn straight, you tell them. Okay. I'll continue using my Zenny frames, not giving $300 to an optometrist. So you guys know, like everybody in here is very positive mindset. We are not competing against Zenny. We have, our duty is to share our expertise, fit really great eyewear, do really great refractions, provide really good retail experiences. And to do that, Everything has to be perfect. The ambiance. You guys see the ambiance behind me. I bushwhacked this. I bought these uh, these lights at uh, Ikea like eight years ago, and I never used them, so I finally took them out of the bag. And so I've set the ambiance up here to be correct this time. So what I'm telling you is you can't compete against Zinni, nor do you want to. Don't carry frames that are $60. You don't need to carry frames that are $120. Now, this varies per market, of course. Um uh, my dad's practice is in a heavy Medicaid environment. We frequently would see patients would get the free Medicaid frames, but they would also have cash to buy Ray-Bans. Did we stop them? No. We're like, look, if you want to buy Ray-Ban, it's your money. We can't stop you. Like, And it's going to be full price, and they paid full price for things. 
So um, that's my little spiel uh, about Zenny. They, you know, we always see our competitors, the, the optometrists, the, the boutique optical down the street as our competitor. They're not the competitor. And I'll, I'll give credit to my dad for this one. Our competitor is the patient who's buying cheap crap online. It's the patient. Do you guys realize how many people just wear reading glasses and they've never been to the optometrist? That is the patient that we need to capture in our offices. They don't even know that a world exists of comfortable eyewear. They don't. They have no clue. So they will go to Costco. They'll buy the 25 pack until they absolutely have to go get an eye exam because they're tired of having eight pairs of glasses. So I just want to let you know that is our competition out there. And uh, it's okay to have friendly competition between colleagues. We all have to work together on things. Okay, uh, that's interesting. Karen says, I've ordered from a number of online com to compare to show people so I can teach them what they aren't up against. So, and I must say, online is getting really good at making glasses. Um, I've never per personally bought a pair of glasses online, but I guarantee you uh, they're doing a really phenomenal job. Um, they're able to weed out, you know, if I'm a minus six and I'm ordering a CR39 lens, I guarantee you that online algorithm or there's going to be human intervention and they're going to see that um, the glasses aren't right. And they're going to call the customer and say, hey, like, did you really mean to get CR39? I think we should upgrade the high index. Anyways, um, I really want to personally thank everybody who's been contributing in the chat. Karen, Bob, Candy, Drew, Karina, uh, Betty, Crazy Craig. Uh, Craig and I are going to be talking about independent lab pricing. Um, it's not, not going to be a sales pitch, but we're going to go through how to interact with the lab. You should never have to call a lab. If you are calling a lab, you're working with the wrong lab or your opticians need trained on things. Calling a lab is one of the worst things you can do because the lab doesn't want phone calls. They're just as busy as you. The optician doesn't want to be on the phone because it's annoying. And we all have to work to deal in digital communication. So we're going to go through some really groundbreaking lab technology, how to interact with the lab and make sure you order on time. And um, one of the things that I always love is, did you guys actually, you know, there's software when you order lenses, sometimes you want to know the edge thickness. And if you've ever called the lab and say, hey, what is the edge thickness of a lens, the temporal edge thickness of a lens? And the lab will be able to calculate for that for you. Well, what if in real time you could calculate lens thickness without having to call the lab and you could show a patient the comparison of why they should get 167 versus poly? So uh, we'll go through that. But um, that's it for tonight. Uh, we're going to be back with another series next Wednesday. Uh, I hope you guys will invite some of your friends, your colleagues, your coworkers uh, to this. Uh, come prepared to be on video. And uh, you guys don't know this, but everyone who comes on live actually is going to get a special uh, gift in the mail. So for being uh, a brave uh, person of the optometric and optical community. So congrats, Karen. You have something coming into the mail to you. And I uh, hope to see you on the next show and you kind of celebrate it. Well, I don't know if I'll have it by then, but maybe uh, within the next uh, two or three weeks, you'll have it in your mailbox. So I'll DM you on Facebook. i get that out to your door. Um, Craig, thanks a lot. And thanks, everybody. I'm signing off for tonight. And I'm going to put up my Facebook group here. Uh, moderator, can you see this here? I have a Facebook group. We discuss a lot of these topics. And I hope you join. And um, I think you get a lot of benefit from it. A lot of proprietary knowledge out there, and if you're willing to share, you're going to succeed. So uh, thanks a lot, and I'm just going to hang out here for a moment, allow you guys to click that.
Take care, everybody. I'll see you online. Thanks for listening to the podcast replay. If you want to check the video portion out of this, go to YouTube. You'll find all of the recordings up there so you can actually see the visuals of what we're talking about. And uh, again, this is every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Optical Obsessed Live talk show, Q&A style, straight education. And uh, if you're loving this, these optical topics, please go ahead, drop me a five-star Google review. Not Google review, podcast review. I'm so used to doing marketing coaching. Really appreciate it. Apple Podcasts would be prime. Thank you.